You are listening to a podcast from Essendon Presbyterian Church in Melbourne, recorded 6pm on August 13, 2023, presented by Rev. Bill Medley. Thanks, Chris. Good to be with you all. Just um, try and squeeze in a little bit. There's a rush coming in any moment now, uh, but we're here, aren't we? So praise God, uh, we can worship him together. Um, going to uh, read, I'm not going to be able to cover this whole text, so we're just going to read from verse 11 through to verse 20. So this is John 17, beginning at verse 11. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so the scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Amen. We're going to pray first before we look at this word. Let's, let's bow together. Father, we, we thank you for this part of your living word. We just pray that it might live in our hearts tonight and speak to us as we examine it more closely. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> I wonder if you've ever had a time where Chris is up here, maybe even tonight, when he was leading us in prayer and you're entering into the presence of God as you concentrate on God and you're thinking about what you're going to be eating after the service tonight or what you're going to be doing next week or your mind wanders. Hasn't that ever happened? Uh we lose a bit of concentration. Um, but I wonder if your concentration would be heightened if, for instance, you're sitting there in your seat and Jesus walks in physically here with us here tonight, sits right next to you, and you're there praying. I wonder if you'd concentrate a little bit better if he was right here physically with us next to you. In fact, let's go one step further. I wonder if your concentration might be heightened if, if Jesus himself took a turn in leading the prayer. I think Chris would give him a, a turn. And Jesus is leading the prayer. Would you be able to concentrate a bit better on the prayer then? Let's go one step further. What if as Jesus is leading us in prayer, in that prayer, he includes a prayer about you. Do you think you'd be able to listen carefully then? 
Well, hold on to your hats here because just so happens I've got a transcript of a prayer that has survived of a prayer Jesus actually prayed. And I have it in my possession. In fact, so have you because it's John chapter 17 where Jesus not only does he pray a prayer, it's, it's broken up into a prayer that he prays for himself to be restored to the glory with the Father in the first part of John 17. Then he begins praying for the disciples. But then he says something strange in verse 20 we just read before. I'm not praying for them, these disciples, alone. I'm also praying for those who will believe in me through their message. If you're someone who believes in Jesus' message, through the apostles' message about Jesus, who is the Son of God, who died for your sins, if you will repent and believe in him, you shall have eternal life. If you believe that, then this prayer, this transcript of a prayer that we've got of Jesus, he actually prayed for you all those years ago. Now, one of the primary reasons he's praying is that he was leaving the disciples. And by extension, he's leaving us. He's not going to be physically here on this earth with us. In what he called in the previous chapter, in chapter 16, verse 33, the tribulation. Not going to be here. So he's praying. That's one of the reasons he's praying. So read again with me in, in John 17, verse 11. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I'm coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. Now, he's praying for protection. He's praying for protection for the disciples. But remember, by extension, he's praying for protection for you if you're a believer in this message. Now, if we take in this prayer seriously, here's Jesus praying for us all so long ago, praying for us. Instead of being downcast, confused, upset, about the way the world's going, about the way the, the, the government's going and the society's going and all these sort of things, instead of being thrown by it, we should have been looking more carefully at this prayer. Jesus told us we're in the tribulation. He prayed for our protection. This was the way it was meant to be. It was not something that should have shocked us. And if we fail or we get attacked, how far will you fall? Well, you will be strangely moved to get back up and repent and come back to Jesus. If you're a believer, you will be moved to do that. Do you know why? Because Jesus prayed for you. Protect them. Protect them by the name he gave you. And notice it's protection for a particular purpose in verse 11. Halfway through verse 11, he says, Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. 
Now, this is the prayer that Jesus prayed for people who will believe in him. Do you think the Father heard his prayer? Do you think this prayer is just one of those ones that floated off into cyberspace? Do you think Jesus was praying with faith? Did he have doubt when he was praying? I think he's the exemplary one we could look to for prayer and you can guarantee the Father would hear that prayer, answer that prayer. So here's Jesus praying that those who will believe in him would be unified. If you're someone who Jesus prayed for, you will have a passion about unity in the body of Christ. If you're someone Jesus prayed for, you will desire to make peace with anyone that you, as far as it depends on you, anyone you've had contention with in the body of Christ. You will want that unity. You will be passionate about worshipping the Lord, being with his people on the Lord's day to worship. Why? Because Jesus prayed for you that this would come true in you if you are someone who believes in the message of Jesus through the apostles. Verse 12, Jesus says, While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. Here he's speaking specifically about the disciples and, of course, referring to Judas. Judas, who, remember Judas, at, at this stage of things, Judas is already, the last supper's already taken place and Judas has left. He's not, he's not here at this stage. And yet Jesus knows that he's doomed to destruction. He's not one of his. Notice that in verse 12, Jesus said, none has been lost. None of those who are believers, true believers, will be lost. But there is one who's going to be lost. Someone who was right in there in the church, right amongst the disciples. And here's Jesus in the middle of this prayer, speaking of things that haven't happened yet, all that Judas is going to do. So what does this assure the disciples afterwards? That nothing catches Jesus by surprise, right? And that means you're going to find there will be a such a thing as a Judas in the church of Jesus. There will be people who are not really believers, who will even do evil, such as Judas. Now, if we moved on into the next chapter, we'd see where Judas's heart was really at. Um, he's going to arrive with a small army of armed people with clubs and swords to take Jesus away to his death. But John must have been furiously taking notes and making note of everything Jesus prayed, so impacted him. He's the only one who writes out this, this prayer. But something clicked for John. Wait a minute. If Jesus knows everything that happens and he's even praying in advance, Judas and all these things, then that means everything else in this prayer that he prays about me and about all you who will believe 
is going to come true and we should be able to see it in our lives. One of those things is that none of those who are truly his will be lost because Jesus prayed for you. So we need to relook at this whole prayer because one of the things we read there is that, or is in verse 13, that those he's praying for may have the full measure of his joy within them. But what if you've fallen over? What if you've backslid? What if you've failed the Lord? How do you know Jesus really prayed for you? How do you know you're not like a Judas? Maybe the disciples wondered the same thing because shortly after this, they're going to scatter. They're going to fail Jesus. What's the difference between them and Judas? If you're one of his, you will hear the conviction of your own heart, Jesus speaking to you. You'll be moved to repent because Jesus prayed for you. Look at verse 13. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. How about that? Jesus is talking about this joy he has and he wants it to be, he's praying that it will be imparted to uh, the others who believe. Now, he's got this joy. Right now he's just about to face the most horrific torture that's ever going to happen in history. He's going to experience the eternal wrath of God at our sin and Jesus is going to go through that horrible anguish and yet here he is talking about having a joy. I mean, maybe the disciples are thinking, well, Lord, if that's your definition of joy, you take the joy and we'll, you know. No, of course not. They wouldn't say that. But, but the point is, what does he mean? Well, whatever he means, it must be something that transcends even going through the most horrific trial. It must be a joy that is so deep and strengthening and holding on to you that it transcends whether you're happy all the time or not. Jesus' joy must be so much deeper and so will ours be if you believe because Jesus prayed for you that you would have his joy. In verse 14 he says, I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. Interesting what he's praying there. Just thinking of, of the insight of Jesus looking forwards into time to those who will believe and what you go through and all that sort of stuff. And here he is praying. If we'd have taken this prayer seriously, we... We wouldn't get so worked up about like the injustices against Christianity um, or go around saying, you know, it's almost as though the world hates us. Well, we could have just looked in Jesus' prayer and known that because he told us. He told us that's exactly through this prayer. He's saying that's what we should expect. The world will hate you. So we should... Stop complaining as though we don't want Jesus' prayer to be answered. 
rejoice that everything else he also prayed will come true. That the world, yes, it will hate you, but does that mean he wants us to leave the world? Look at verse 15. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but you protect them from the evil one. Now, if Jesus is praying that sort of protection for us, for those who will believe, could it be that we've missed the magnitude of the spiritual warfare that's going on in the heavenly realms right now? We say, yes, spiritual warfare, yeah, spiritual attack, yep, we recognise that. But, but do we really? When we're confronted by someone who does wrong, does wrong to us especially, or someone we love, oh, it's just spiritual, don't worry. <laughs> no, no, we think it's flesh and blood. But here's Jesus praying for protection from the evil one. In fact, it was actually there in the prayer that Jesus taught you and me to pray regularly, or at least the prayer that models the prayer we should be praying regularly. <clears throat> Lead us, not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Substantive noun, correct, Chris? That the better translation is evil one, not just evil. The evil one. It was right there in the very prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. We need protection from the evil one. That's our primary battle. How serious must this opposition be? When you, you think the reason you have contention with someone or the person has done something wrong or some circumstance, trial you're going through, the problem is not against flesh and blood. Not people. Protect them from the evil one. Jesus' prayer tells us we have an enemy. We have an enemy. We have an enemy. We've got to pray for protection. And the enemy has fooled you into thinking that that problem is flesh and blood. It is that person who's done that horrible thing. They are the problem. Sucked in again. Lies from the pit of hell. That's exactly what the enemy wants you to think. Does not want you to think in spiritual terms, and therefore you won't fight this with spiritual warfare and spiritual weapons. This is fascinating. Jesus thought that this issue of protection was so serious that he's, get this, he's praying for protection for a people that in the same prayer he guarantees none of his will be lost. He knows. If you're a believer, you really have repented and believed in Jesus. He knows he's, who, he who began a good work in you will complete it. He knows he's going to get you there. And yet he still prays 
your protection from the evil one. How powerful must this enemy going to knock you around or seek to knock you around if Jesus, knowing he's going to get you there in the end, still prays for your protection along the way? This is, must be something major, must be something important. The Apostle Peter would later describe the devil as a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Well, he certainly devoured Judas. People even within the church will be devoured. But that won't happen to you if you truly believe. Why? Because Jesus prayed for you. And if Jesus prayed that we need to take this attack seriously, that there's prayer needed, John would write later in his uh not this gospel, but in his epistle, First um, John chapter 5, verse 9, and he says, We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. So if the whole world is under control, that means we're walking through a minefield right now and the devils have set them in different places. You don't know which one you're going to step on and go, kaboom. Boy, let's get out of this world then. No, Jesus says, verse 15, don't take them out of the world. We have to go through this minefield. There's a purpose in it. There's a reason for it. We're going to need protection, though, along the way. And you will be protected because Jesus prayed, protect them from the evil one. In verse 16, he says, They are not of the world even as I am not of it. So he didn't want to take you out of the world, so there's no getting out of this early going, I'd be happy to go to heaven now. No, you don't get that chance, sorry. You're staying here as long as God, until you complete all that he has planned for you for his glory and the witness he wants you to be. And part of that witness is that you would be not of the world, that is, not part of its morals, its values, its desires. But along the way, we're going to be under this ferocious attack. So has Jesus just sent us out there? He's praying for protection, but we're basically going into the the war zone without any armour. Well, no, he remembered that too. In fact, right in this prayer, he prays we might put on that armour. What's the armour? Read verse 17 with me. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify. needs to be set apart as holy. And there's a sense in which that happens. The moment you believe, you trust in the Lord, you are saved. You are sanctified. You are set apart by God. But as we use in the theological term, the sanctification is something that also is going on throughout our lives. We're constantly being changed, made more holy. We're becoming sanctified. How is that going to happen? Well, right here, Jesus is saying it's going to happen 
by the word of God. The word of God. I reckon this is time to pause and just consider. Why do you bother reading your Bible? Maybe you sort of skip it sometimes. Maybe you're not quite into it. You know, it's a good Christian duty thing to do. That's what we're supposed to do. We're Christians. We're supposed to read the This prayer is unfolding something amazing. All this time you thought it was just something good little Christians are supposed to do. Jesus says the reason you're supposed to do it is that you will be changed, sanctified, into the likeness of the Son of God, strengthened to the task, protected. This is the means, this is the armour that he gave you, he prayed for. He did pray for you, didn't he? You are reading the Bible. You are listening to it explained at church. Going through the scriptures is not just a good Christian thing to do. It's the very means Jesus gave us to survive through this minefield and to be protected and changed and sanctified. So this isn't just a preacher telling you it's a good idea to read your Bible. It's actually Jesus saying this would happen with those who truly will believe in me. Why? Because I prayed for them that it would happen. Verse 17, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. So how do you know Jesus prayed for you as we look at this prayer that he prayed? You'll be someone who reads the Bible. And if you haven't been reading it, you'll start because he prayed for, for you, that this would be you. This would be one of the characteristics of those who will believe in me. And you will be changed by it. You'll read things in there that correct you and change you, that sanctify you. The word of God. How do you know you'll read it and be changed by it? Because Jesus prayed for you. Well, he says in verse 20, my prayer is not for them alone, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. This is telling us that this prayer was meant just as much for you. So he, he has prayed for you. You're one of the ones he's prayed for, right? There was really a time when Jesus side of the Kidron Valley, opposite the olive grove. He raised his hands and he prayed this prayer. Jesus sees right down the corridors of history. He prayed this prayer. Who's he praying for? Those who will believe. You, if you believe, he's praying for. So let's just recap this prayer as we think this isn't just 
another part of Scripture. Now, this is actually a prayer Jesus prayed for you. Picture him. Maybe he does come up here and, and right in this congregation tonight and starts praying and praying for you. What did he pray? What did he pray? He prayed that you would find the full measure of joy, his joy. And if we were to go back to the beginning of the prayer, we'd see the glory and the joy that he had with the Father before the world began, this eternal plan where he speaks about in verse 2 of the, the Father having given names, given names that, that were given to the Son. I haven't lost any that you gave me. When did he give him? And then in verse 5 he's talking about from before the world began. It was all a plan. And he was, goes on in the prayer about how you would be unified with other believers. That's, that's you, isn't it? He, you're one of the ones he prayed for. Surely, as you're listening to him pray about those who will believe, will, those will be unified, unified. They'll have that unity. Surely there's, there's no one right now in your life that you couldn't walk up to and, and look them in the eye and say from your heart and in your heart, I love you, brother. I love you, sister. I forgive you. There's no one, is there? Surely not. If, you, if you're the answer to Jesus' prayer here about unity. And as Jesus is praying, that we would be in the world but not of the world. That means there wouldn't be any part of your life that you're still clinging on to the sins of this world. That is, if you're one who Jesus prayed for, if you're one who will believe. And listen to him praying as he prays for your protection from the evil one and then prays how that would happen, how you would be protected and sanctified. He prayed it had happened by the word of God. So you're reading it. You're listening to it explained in church. That is you, isn't it? Because Jesus prayed for you and that you would be changed by it, sanctified, meaning that when, that when those difficult things come up in Scripture, that you know you're, you've got to change to honour the Lord, you'll live it out. Because Jesus prayed for you if you are a true believer. Do you know, the good news is that even if you haven't been doing all of those things, if you will hear now and repent, turn from whatever that sin was, pick up your Bible and make it part of your life, even now, if you will take up those things, be changed, then Jesus prayed for you because all of the things that Jesus says and prays for will come true in a believer. You will be sanctified by this word. Why? Because Jesus prayed for you.
My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father in heaven, how can we ever thank you enough that you sent your son into this world to take away our sin and then to give us this privilege of listening in on this prayer where Jesus deliberately prayed out loud so that we could hear, so that it would be written down by John and we could soak it in and see how things unfolded for those who will believe and enter into what you've got for us in this eternal life, this relationship with the Father and the Son through the Holy Spirit. Lord, if there be any part of our lives where we're not fulfilling what Jesus prayed for in believers, give us the conviction by your Spirit to be awakened that it might become part of our lives, that we might confirm that we are one of his, that we believe in Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. More messages of hope at Essendon Presbyterian Church.org.au or wherever you get your podcasts from.